Hello, everyone. Welcome back to our Uncanny Trek Star Trek Lower Decks coverage, where we take a break from the two great 90s space station shows to talk about Star Trek Lower Decks. I am Bob in Cascadia. That is Matt in the Southland. How the hell are you tonight, Matt? Doing great, Bob. We are one episode away from the end of Season 3 of Lower Decks. Been a great season so far. Yeah, yeah. I know we, for the past few, we kind of switched to having to do, uh, you know, two episodes every uh, two weeks just because of life stuff. But, you know, I was thinking, oh, well, will there be enough to just do uh, an episode on one episode again? And yeah, I think there will be. I think there will be. Oh, yeah, definitely. There was a lot that happened in this episode. Yeah, yeah. So we're talking the uh, Lower Decks Season 3, Episode 9, the penultimate episode of Season 3, like Matt said. It's called Trusted Sources. Originally aired on the 20th of October, 2022. You want to walk us through that A-plot, Matt? Sure. So in the A-plot, in a sequel to the very special The Next Generation Season 1 episode on addiction, entitled Symbiosis, the Cerritos has to make second contact with a planet Picard left to go cold turkey 17 years prior while being shadowed by a FNN reporter. To prepare for the visit, Freeman kiboshes the pie-eating contest, closes the bar, and reassigns our Fantastic Four. So, Bob, i got to go ahead and ask you, do you remember anything about Symbiosis, about the episode itself? Uh, I remember it somewhat. Uh, like, I, I probably did a complete Next Generation watch-through about, like, eight years ago, seven years ago, something like that. So... I remember it from that, not like not very vividly. I mostly uh, remember Wesley asking a stupid questions about drugs that were, you know, definitely supposed to be like viewer surrogate questions, and Tasha Yar and Beverly Crusher giving him very condescending answers. Yeah, there was the whole "just say no" uh, thing going on at the time, so <laughs> it, it was it was awkward to hear mm-hmm. that in a Star Trek episode. Uh, I was originally I was going to go back and rewatch this episode, Bob, but uh, of course. You made me watch a, a two and a half hour movie about the moon falling on the planet, so I didn't get a chance to do it. <laughs> I mean, I, w- I would rarely say this. I would rarely say that in the choice between Star Trek and Roland Emmerich, that uh, Roland Emmerich is the better choice. But this week, you did make the better choice to watch Moonfall, Matt. Okay, good. I, I feel better about myself. I felt I was letting the listeners down by not doing it. But I will say that the, epi- the, the Lower Decks episode gave a great summary of what happened, especially with the, uh, the mural on the wall. <laughs> about what happened after the Enterprise D left. Like, I absolutely love the imagery of the ship of the Enterprise D flying away and, the, like, the hands reaching out for it. <laughs> and then, like, the sheer turmoil that occurs right after that. Yeah, yeah. The fact that they were apparently in uh, total chaos for about, uh, what, 15 of those 17 years? Yes. Uh, it, it shows on the mural. It's, it's a hilarious bit there. Never question the wisdom of Picard, Matt. Never question it. Right. So I have to ask Bob, uh, and we've mentioned this before, is FNN a B5 reference or is it a reference to CNN? Obviously the answer is both, but I also think it is a Babylon 5 reference. <laughs> I'm still saying it's just CNN, Bob. I don't think they're you, even thinking about Babylon 5. You know the centipede, Matt? That's the model we're working with here. <laughs> well, the other thing I'd ask you, Bob, from the start of this episode is, Project Swing By, you know, where they go back to planets that I've already been visited before and, you know, they pretty much mess things up. Uh, was This was brought up in the previous season, correct? You think that specific term, not just like the general concept of second contact? The general concept, I think it was the general concept of second contact. Oh, uh, well, yeah, the, I mean, the general concept of second contact has been in the show, I think, since the first episode. I 
I don't know if they've ever used the phrase project swing by before. I it wouldn't surprise me if they have, but I I I don't remember it. Okay. It just sounds like something some crazy person came up with to try to sell this as a a cool thing they were doing. <laughs> that cra- that crazy person's name, Captain Carol Freeman. There you go. Project swing by. And I, I did really enjoy the bit where Dr. Tiana sort of sums up Captain Freeman's plan to make the Cerritos respectable this week with, oh shit, she's serious. Hey, you ever had to say something like that at work, Bob, or do something when somebody told you that? And that's like your immediate response. <laughs> um, I've never said it in front of the person, but yeah, yeah, I've... I, I've said many, many such things to many such coworkers over the years. So uh, we get a lot of good one uh, Mariner one-liners this episode. Uh, the two I particularly enjoyed was she referred to herself as Freeman's mini-me captain. And uh, she also just kind of summed up the situation initially as Carol's going to Carol, which was, you know, a, a familiar joke, but kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, that's a good reference we could use to, to other Star Trek fans. Like, she's being a Carol, but I wouldn't try that with just regular <laughs> folks. You're going to have to have a lot of explaining to do. Yeah, yeah. I would put it, are you talking about Carol Freeman or Carol Marcus? So yeah. many questions. <laughs> yeah. We we also literally have uh, Freeman sending our Fantastic Four to bed without supper, which I don't know if that was like an intentional gag, but it was pretty funny. Let me just say about the whole the whole pie eating contest thing was kind of a down for me. I I didn't like it. I mean, it it had it had some funny little one liners, but. It, I, I don't know. It was too far fetched. Are, are you saying that uh, that rare good Rutherford line when he screams to the security guard, "My body needs crust"? You're saying that didn't do it for you, Matt? That was funny, but it, it, it was just awkward. Like I, I didn't understand why they're having a pie eating contest. I, it just didn't fit Star Trek. But that was just me. I agree with you that it's maybe not the best idea the show's ever had, but I think it kind of fulfilled the thing of making the ship look silly and yeah. giving a little bit of humor. We also sort of learned from this that, uh, you know, me- many of the crew of the Cerritos don't translate well to cable news. Amaran metaphors don't translate well. <laughs> the whale's uh, hard partying lifestyle doesn't translate well. Cetacean ops. I thought those were dolphins. Am I that wrong? I'm pretty sure there's a small type of whale. Yeah, you've said this before and I've never brought it up because I thought it was just being stupid. But now I'm like, now that I've looked at them again multiple times, I thought they were dolphins. I'm I'm going to Memory Alpha to resolve this. Yeah, they're beluga whales. Oh, I guess beluga whales look way different than the big whales I usually see, like the I mean, yeah, the there's a, whales. a variety of whales. But okay. I mean, if you look at them, to me, they like look a, a little fatter and a little bigger than dolphins. They're a little more square shaped and not as sleek, so I get that. Yeah, I'm just I'm just used to seeing the giant ass whales like Shamu. Yeah, yeah, you think orcas and blue whales and such. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, their names, which I, I honestly uh, had not remembered, uh, are Kimalu and Nat. <laughs> yep. I got oh, named and, after and a whale. <laughs> you are named after a whale, bro. Oh, so remember the picture last episode, I think it was last episode, of um, Ransom's Fantastic Four, which is himself, the bartender, the nurse, and one of the whales, it's apparently Matt. So, you know, you're a whale, but you're also Ransom's best bro. I'm part of Ransom's posse. And Bob, that is a word I need to stop using. I have, <laughs> I used that word the other day at a conference thinking it was funny, but everybody looked at me like I said a different word and I need to quit saying posse. Oh, that's, that's a shame. It's a great word. Yeah, I, I like honestly, the word, but most people just think yeah. I'm saying something else. Honestly, probably referring, 
referring to uh, Mariner and company as the as a posse would probably be better than calling them the Fantastic Four. Although I do like the I do like the numerical description of calling them the Fantastic Four. Yeah, and Entourage just sounds way too cool. Like it's not a it, it's. Oh yeah. Entourage also makes it sound like it's centered around one person, which I guess in both cases it sort of is around Mariner, around uh, around uh, Ransom, but still. Yeah. Crew, I guess, works too, but that's a little confusing with like larger crew versus smaller crew. Yeah, especially in Star Trek. Although I, I will put in a plug for um, the Black Panther spinoff comic, The Crew, uh, from the early aughts, which was really good and sadly did not last long. They wouldn't. Christopher Priest's original idea for it was to just call it Black Avengers, but they wouldn't let him do it. <laughs> yeah, that that would not fly too well even then. <laughs> hey, man, Pri- Priest is great, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's a shame he, he gets some work still from uh, from mainstream comics, but he should get a lot more. He's he's a king. I love that guy. Also, I shouldn't call him Christopher Priest. I think he just goes by Priest these days. All right, so getting back on track, you know, I. I was kind of a little annoyed by one of the premises of this episode, which is like, I don't know. I kind of would expect Mariner to be like fine with like lying to the press. Yeah, I don't think she would have been so lame, but I guess it shows her like growth and development since season one. I feel like season one Mariner would have done a lot more with this and stirred things up. Yeah. It also like in some way, I guess, is kind of supposed to tie in with like her kind of like pride in her work, you know? Yeah, you kind of see that consistently. Yeah. All right. So I I was initially going to ask that Quark getting kidnapped was not a plot, right? But I I, I wrote that having totally gotten that we just went to DS9 like three episodes ago or whatever. So yeah, yeah, I'm an idiot. I think that actually was a plot. Okay. Yeah. There was a long list of plots that they went through where, you know, basically the crew of the Cerritos had screwed up and all of them like were just flashbacks to the previous episodes. Yeah, the Quark yeah, one was I, the only one that made me like I, it made me raise my eyebrow because I couldn't remember it. But there was so much to look at in that episode, and we were looking at. It, yeah, maybe it did happen. I don't know. Hit us up on yeah, Twitter if you remember. We it was, it was the same. Like it. I recognized everything else. It's like, oh yeah, that was a prior episode. Yeah. That was a prior episode. But for some reason, when they said Quark was kidnapped, I and it, I mean, but it was just weirdly. It was like I didn't even remember that there the DS Nine episode had happened. You know. Damn, that was one of the better episodes, Bob. <laughs> it was a good episode. So let me ask you this though, Bob: Were you excited that the bird counselor was given command of the bridge? Um, I don't know. I mean, I Migliamu hasn't like really grown on me this season. I, I I will I will agree with you and admit that it was a really good act, though. Yeah, were you disappointed that she mispronounced his name? Uh, you know, I, I'll let it fly. I'll let it fly. I'm not gonna make a <laughs> microaggression out of it. Do you think that was intentional? Or do you think it was just an accident on the uh, voice actor's part? I think it was accidental, but it's hard to say. Okay. So we find out apparently Starbase 80 is just a garbage station crewed by burnout hippies. Yeah, I was slightly disappointed because, you know, in our previous podcast episodes, I thought they might make this a running joke. But to find out that it was what it, what it actually is is very underwhelming. Uh, it gave me the Space Quest Five vibes. You remember Space Quest Five? The garbage oh, scale yeah, ship? yeah. Fond yeah. memories. Fond memories. Uh, but I have to ask you this, Bob. Did you catch that the Starbase 80 crew have the old school TNG com badges? So that basically they don't get the updated stuff or uh, they get hand-me-downs? <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't catch that at all. That's a good catch. And it's pretty funny. Like, it, yeah, it's, it, it's a nice little subtle nod about how they're not a priority. 
I kind of wish they would have been wearing TOS uh, uniforms, though. That would have made it even worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or you, you go actually even go further back if you give them like uh, uniforms from the Enterprise. Oh yeah, the there show. you go. Yeah, yeah. And those those even look like garbage uniforms. There you go. Yeah. Lower decks, so, hire us. We can make your ship funnier. Come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let, let let us punch up those scripts, baby. Um, I, I did want to ask. So, do you think Doctor Tayana is the only Starfleet doctor to pack heat? Okay, that scene where she did pull the phaser, it, it made me think of Beverly Crusher, and I'm pretty sure Beverly Crusher's packed a phaser a couple of times. Oh, uh, okay, okay. I mean, maybe when she did that covert ops mission with Picard and Worf. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but she was always going down as part of the uh, away team, so yeah, I could, I'm could. i sure it happened. I just don't remember it specifically what episode. Maybe I'm just ignoring it, but I just don't I just don't remember, like, Bashir or, or Crusher or McCoy ever, like, packing heat when they go, you know? Yeah. I will say it does seem like a kind of interesting choice to go with the Breen as potentially, like, the new reoccurring antagonist since... I think they've done all they can do with the Packlids, I think. Yeah, we got the Breen, you know, showing up on this planet, which I thought was really cool because we've been, you know, we were covering that in our DS9 uh, B5 coverage. and But people are kind of bitching that it may be, Lower Decks may be getting a bit formulaic, having this major group of people as an antagonist like the Breen or the Packlids. And then all of a sudden someone comes to the rescue. And it's usually like last time it was the Titan. And then this time yeah. we get the, uh, the Texas-class ship. I mean... In general, I can sort of agree with that. Like I said, you know, I still really like this season, but it does feel a little formulaic. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe formulaic is the wrong word. It just feels like there's only, you know, like you can only hit the joke so many times, right? Right. But that said, I, I would kind of disagree with that specific criticism. I mean, I feel like the I feel like the point of this is that like the Cerritos is always getting rescued. And especially that that needs to happen like in front of the reporter, and also when you add that it's kind of like the threat of automation from the Texas class ship. Like, I, I think it's doing enough stuff differently that you, you could they sh- the you know the fans should cut the show some slack on this point. Yeah, so fans cut the show some slack. You heard Bob. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I was gonna ask, uh, was this the first time we'd actually seen Breen interceptors? No, they uh, they appeared during the Dominion War in the later seasons of DS Nine. And they're also in a Star Trek online. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, after you corrected me in the notes, I looked it up and it was like, yeah, apparently I don't think they were named Interceptors when they appeared on DS9. But yeah, apparently we saw that same ship design. In yeah, it's maybe the same ship. It's, it's, it's like way towards the end of the season, though. Like way to the end of yeah. the series. Yeah, the Breen really don't come into the war until very late in that show, if I remember correctly. Right, and then just for just for you, Bob, I don't, I, I usually don't really refer to anything that's been shown on Star Trek Online, but I'm just letting you know, like, because I know you don't usually play those games, and a lot of people haven't. But there's yeah, a yeah. lot of stuff that's been exposed on that game that we don't actually, they never actually seen in the film lore or the television show lore. I, what, what are your thoughts on that? Because like, do you do you want me to ever bring that kind of stuff up or not? Yeah, sure. Bring it up. Okay, I just didn't know if you—that was something you wanted to talk about. In this case, it, in this case, it was useful and helpful. In other cases, I revert, I uh, reserve the right to laugh at you and or the game. <laughs> but, no, and I, the like, millions of players, game. Bob. <laughs> hey, Matt, line them up in a row, and I'll insult each one of them. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll add in a little bit of video game trivia here, Bob. Uh, that Texas class design. Uh huh. Did you ever play the PC game Star Trek Armada? 
I think I bought it, but I think I was too stupid to get it to install on my computer, if I remember right. I think that's what happened. Okay, I may be going out on a limb here, and I may maybe it's just my memory is 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 wrong, but they look very similar to the ships that they use for mining ore on uh, in that game. So, and there those are automated as well. So I'm kind of wondering if they took some of those ideas and used those. But uh, it's Texas class, but the name of the ship was the Aledo, which is an actual town in Texas. Yeah, I will say like I'm not really a fan of. Like, I like the idea of giving a class of ship, like you have like a class of ships named something, and then every ship in the class is like named, you know, something in connection to that. Like, I like that as a concept. I don't really love it as applied to like American states. Bob doesn't want America represented in space. No, no. I know. I, I, I this don't This is a really galactic federation. Well, and I I also don't really love, there's a little bit, I feel like, of a contemporary liberal thing here where it's like, oh no, the California class, that's the good class. That's the class of our heroes, the Texas class. That's the evil automated class, <laughs> aka the Republicans. Yeah, I don't, yeah, that's probably what they're going for there. <laughs> I didn't even think of that, Bob, but you're absolutely right. I was just like, yeah. look, they named it after a state. How cute. <laughs> <laughs> Matt's like, I've been to Texas. It's cool. Yeah. And you're like, Republicans are pushing for automation. <laughs> They're taking away well, your jobs. Well, it's the weird thing is that on the one hand, Republican policies uh, for the longest time helped guarantee automation. On the other hand, uh, all Republicans have been doing since Donald Trump is complaining about automation. And it's just like, hey, I mean, who am I to believe, guys? <laughs> So, Bob, the episode ends with Mariner leaving with her, like, uh, the archaeologist from the previous episode. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to go with what I put in the notes and say uh, they go off to do uh, lesbian mummy hunting. Oh, yeah, lesbian mummy hunting. I like that. Apparently, they're yeah, mummies yeah. that can uh, resuscitate themselves or something or come back from the dead. So. Yeah, yeah, that sounds cool. That sounds cool. I hope that shows up next episode. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it will show up next episode, Bob, but I don't think that they're going to go... An episode without including Mariner well, and the so, rest of the crew, especially in a finale. My no, my my. So my question was: Will they? Uh, w- would it be good for the show if she stayed just doing the lesbian mummy hunting? And my assumption would be that you would sh- like you would have her be like the B plot, like you would have life on the Cerritos, and then you would see her having adventures. And I think that could actually be like a good formula for the show for a while. I don't think they'll do it. I think you're right. I think they'll reset it in the season finale, but or it, at or in the season four premiere. But I, you know, I I think we've both said that like stale is too strong. But you know, the show it, it does repeat itself, and so I think giving Mariner a different job while keeping her in the show would be a good for the show. Would be my would be my feeling. And I also want to point out, Bob, that next episode is the season finale, and we were promised some Strange New World content, so be prepared. I know we were promised Strange New World content, but were we <laughs> promised it specifically this season? Oh, Bob, don't ruin my, don't, don't, don't shred my hopes and dreams. Why do you do this? Well, because we, we're already renewed for season four for this show, so. Oh, shoot. Well, maybe. I, it also feels, I mean, I, I could be wrong, and you could well be vindicated next uh, Thursday, but I, to me, and this is just purely subjective, like the Strange New Worlds crossover feels like something they might want more time for, you know, because they probably started the animation for this season, like if anything, like before Strange New Worlds. I just want to see it, Bob. 
It's good. No, no, and I think you'll see it. I just, I'm praying to the, uh, the Star Trek gods. Make it happen Thursday. I, I need it. I'm just, think, I'm just thinking you might have to see it in like fall of 20, 2023. That's Bob's that's like, I want it to be a long term thing. I don't, I don't want. I want it you to, to shove every making... show into one season as much as you can. I want you to packlet it in. <laughs> oh God! See what oh, I did God. there? You just use packlet as a verb, you monster. Oh God, you're a monster. All right, Bob, that wraps it up. So let's go to character of the week. My character of the week, Miglimo. I think that's how you say it. <laughs> I believe you say it, Migliamo. Migliamo. Okay, whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. The the gag where they sh- put his mother on the view screen. <laughs> Because he was so happy to be on the bridge. <laughs> he got the con, baby. He got the con. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, that that was a pretty good gag. Um, I'll, I'll give it to Carol. Uh, Freeman had a really good uh, week this week. It, always fun to see her in a manic state. All right, Bob. Before we close this episode, I just want to get let listeners know that there is a Lower Decks game now on uh, the App Store. This mm-hmm. isn't a paid advertisement. I just want to let people know it about it because be. it kind of went under the radar. I want my money, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> They're not going to pay us anything. It went under the radar. It is a fun distraction, but it has like a really stupid plot. The plot centers around Badgie taking over the holodeck and trapping our Fantastic Four inside. Check nice, it out if you nice. will. It's, it's a fun little distraction. I mean, I would if my uh, if my phone could support such things, Matt. But uh, <laughs> Bob, your, your Nokia really will can't. not it will not run this. Pro- no, your Nokia it will, will not run. run. Ba- Badgie will just become my my, stu- my dumb phone. <laughs> You could make actually, Badgie your background, maybe. <laughs> Ooh, that I mean, the operating system on my phone already runs real slow, Matt. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. That's, that sounds dodgy. I, I will say this sounds a, a lot better than the other piece of Star Trek Lower Decks tie-in media, uh, which is the the comic, which is written by one of my least favorite comics writers, and something I'm really bitter about. They're only doing like two issues, though, right, Bob? Or like a very short run. Only two issues have come out. I assume they'll probably. I assume it'll probably be something like a, a four to six issue miniseries because that, I don't read many IDW Trek comics, but that seems to usually be how they roll as they you know do miniseries. Well, also another little bit of news that I read about uh, the DS9 idea IDW comic is bringing back Cisco as a god. So, big strap okay. in for that. I mean, there's a they did a version of that in the novels that I've not read, although it sounds like he gets it's, he kind of winds up just becoming a Starfleet officer again and captaining a ship. So, Oh, <laughs> huh. I've got godlike powers. What do you do? Go captain of a starship. Nice. I mean, that was always, you know, if we ever finished Babylon five versus DS nine, which, you know, I, I want to, but whew, so many, so many more episodes, um, you know, we, we always could go to like, monthly or you know uh, every other month coverage of ds9 novels that would always be an option yeah that would be pretty cool yeah it might be fun might be fun all right well oh i i have i expressed to you my resentment that the guy who's writing the lower decks comic is also the new fantastic four writer no he didn't tell us that he is and i'm deeply deeply annoyed about it well y'all just really fucked up with this uh lower decks comic guys Get this, get this under wraps. Get this. Yeah, yeah. We deserve get, us new, get it. Get us a new miniseries with a better writer. Come on now. Well, this has been our uh, Star Trek Lower Decks coverage. We are Uncanny Treks. We usually do Babylon Five versus Star Trek DS Nine. We'll be getting back to that very soon. We just have to address the fact that the moon is hollow first, 
And uh, I hope everybody has a uh, great evening. I was uh, Bob in Cascadia. That's Matt in uh, the Southland. Good night. Thanks for listening.